Hello, this is Dem, welcoming you to the 2349th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline 6th of July 2023. The readers this week are the lovely Angela, Catherine and myself, Dem, with Hass on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon and Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch and N21 magazine and are their copyright. And for the week beginning the 10th of July, the sunrise time is 04.48 and the sunset time is 21.20. Before we go any further, we also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and from the Enfield uh, Home Library Service. So the first notice is from Enfield Vision. It says, We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the quality, sorry, determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a dropping morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre in Bushhill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. And here are the dates for the next few months. So the next, uh, the next uh, session is on Thursday the 20th of July, then Thursday the 17th of August, Thursday the 21st of September, Thursday the 19th of October, and finally Thursday the 16th of November. And for any further information, please contact us on 0208 373 6260. That's 0208 373 that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you, and there is no charge. The Home Library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service, who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read, and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audio books and CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. And separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you to get to groups with borrowing e-books or audio books from the library to read, or listen to on the phone or tablet. For more information, or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice, that's all one word, .org.uk. So again, enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk or call Sean Ativan on 07826 
511094. Again, the name is Sean Ativan and the phone number is 07826 511094. Please do get in touch with us to share your news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899 854 582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Angela will read the lead story. The government is coming up under pressure to help Enfield Council resolve its huge homeless crisis, thought to be one of the most acute in the country. Secretary of State Michael Gove, who leads the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities, was challenged in the House of Commons by Edmonton MP Kate Usamore to assist homeless families in Enfield, where the scale of the problem is attracting national media attention. Last month, the dispatch revealed that more than 100 families with children have been living in hotels beyond the government's own six-week legal limit for this type of temporary accommodation. It also emerged that the cost of paying hotel bills for around 350 families in total was now £850,000 a month and was set to blow a £20 hole in the council's annual budget. But while the council is now attempting to reduce this by moving such families outside, the, outside South East England where accommodation is affordable, it remains unclear how much of an impact this will have. Kate Osamore told Gov in the Parliament, there are hundreds of families in my constituency living for months on end in hotels as they can no longer afford to rent and the council has no suitable temporary accommodation left. Local authorities currently don't have the powers or fundings they need to tackle the crisis. So will the Secretary of State confirm how he's going to change that and give councils like Enfield the resources they need to end this hotel crisis? Garve acknowledged that there were too many people in temporary accommodation and said he would look at the challenges that Enfield Council face in terms of the delivery of housing, including affordable housing for the vulnerable, cham- fa- vulnerable families that she champions. The dispatch approached Gove's department for an update before going to press, but received no response. The council itself has frequently called for government help, with the Cabinet Member for Housing, George Sava, blaming the freeze since 2020 of the local housing allowance, which sets the benefit levels. He added, The government has failed to develop a plan for house building across the country and, despite high numbers of affordable housing being delivered across London by councils, demand is outstripping supply. Our lobbying of the government to urgently address the rental and housing crises will continue. The, gu- the council has failed to meet its annual house building target for several years. Last month, it also emerged that 23 homes on a development built on council owned land at Berry Street West had failed to sell, meaning the council hadn't generated the surplus needed to provide affordable housing on the site. Enfield North MP Ferriel Clark echoed, for the, echoed calls for the government to intervene. 
In response to the dispatch report on a family with quadruplets living in a hotel for four months, Ferial said, sadly, this issue has become alarmingly frequent. Enfield has the highest rate of Section 21 evictions in London, yet the government has been indecisive and delayed in vital legislation for far too long. It is families in Enfield, like this heartbreaking story, who are paying the awful price for this. I have raised the issue in Parliament and personally written to the Minister on this matter. There is not enough suitable uh, housing in Enfield and not enough protection for families. Palmer's Green added, but North Mid ditched from proposed Superloop bus route. A stop outside North Middlesex Hospital has been removed from Transport for London's plans for an express bus service through Enfield, while a new stop has been added in Palmer's Green. Announcing its sooner-than-expected public consultation on the X34 Superloop bus between North Finchley and Walthamstow last month, TfL published maps which included no direct link to the Edmonton Hospital. Asked by the dispatch whether a previously proposed stop in Gloucester Road near the hospital entrance had been removed from its Superloop plans, TfL confirmed this was the case but did not give an explanation. It was only at the start of May that TfL produced a simplified route map which included North Mid, but now it is proposing that passengers wishing to visit the hospital should instead walk there from Silver Street Station. However, the proposed additional stop at the Green Lanes Junction with the North Circular has been welcomed by Enfield and Haringey's London Assembly member Joanne McCartney who said on Twitter she was glad it had been included. A TfL spokesman said, The stops shown on the current Superloop map between North Finchley and Walthamstow are not final. The full route and all stops will be confirmed in due course, subject to the outcomes of the consultation. The X34 consultation is second to be launched as part of the Superloop plans first announced in March by London Mayor Sadiq Khan. TfL had originally said the X34 route would not be consulted on until next year. The idea behind Superloop is to provide faster and more frequent connections between outer London boroughs. Jeff Hobbs, TfL's Director of Public Transport Planning, said... Buses sit at the heart of the capital's transport network and provide a vital lifeline for everyone living, working and visiting the capital. The Superloop will have an important role to play as we strive for a greener, cleaner and more sustainable London. Feedback from the public is hugely valuable and I'd encourage everyone to respond to the consultation. This will enable us to shape our future plans and help create a bus service which benefits everyone travelling throughout the area. Other stops on the X34 route include New Southgate Station and Arnos Grove Station. Beyond Enfield, there are stops at Colney Hatch Lane in Freeham Barnet and Walthamstow Market. The timetable will include services every 12 minutes, Monday to Saturday, and every 15 minutes during evenings and Sundays. While it will share much of its route with the existing 34 bus, this service is being retained 
and in places where they both serve the same stops, daytime intervals for the two services together will be as little as five or six minutes. Ben Curtis, Campaign's Officer for Campaign for Better Transport, said TfL's new Superloop bus route between North Finchley and Walthamstow paves the way, paves the way for a greener, more connected London. By expanding bus services in outer London, residents, businesses and visitors have the freedom to travel sustainably and cost-effectively, and I would add, traffic and volume permitting. And on a similar subject, uh, six London underground lines set for new names. So, sorry, that should be six London overground lines set for new names. So, London's six overground train lines are set to be given new names. Once implemented, each of the lines will have its own individual name, as Transport for London, TfL, hopes to make the system easier to navigate and make service disruption announcements easier to understand. Excuse me. The names are due to be changed by the end of 2024, with Londoners to be consulted on monikers that could be based on historic locations and forgotten stories. The six routes are as follows. Gospel Oak to Barking Riverside. Euston to Watford Junction. Highbury and Islington to New Cross, Crystal Palace, West Croydon, Crystal Palace again, and Clapham. Liverpool Street to Enfield Town, Chingford, Chesant, Bromford to Upminster, and Stratford to Richmond, Clapham Junction. TfL is working with the Commission for Diversity in the Public Realm to work on themes ahead of public consultation on potential names. Mayor of London Sadiq Khan said, "There are so many Londoners. There are so many Londoners." historic locations and foreign stories from our city that need retelling. Naming the lines will not only help educate visitors about what our amazing city and incredible uh, about what our amazing city and incredible history, but will also make it easier for people who live, work or visit London to more easily navigate the city. The London Overground will remain as the umbrella band and it will keep its orange logo. Increased usability and comprehension of the network, greater customer confidence, clearer wayfinding and clearer service disruption information are listed as benefits of the proposed change. And now an article from the Enfield Independent continuing with the homes situation. The headline, Mayor's New Home Update. Some won't be finished until 2032. A group of almost 3,000 London properties currently being built as part of Sadiq Khan's Affordable Homes Programme are not expected to be finished until 2032. Mr Khan's Deputy Mayor for Housing, Tom Copley, said that while the vast majority of the 116,000 homes being built as part of the programme will be finished by 2029... Some projects will take longer. In May, Mr Khan announced that he had met the target set by government of work starting on the 116,000 new affordable homes across the capital by March 2023, using funding distributed by City Hall. But he came under fire from City Hall Conservatives with his former mayoral 
opponent, Sean Bailey, telling BBC Radio London he hasn't delivered 116,000 homes. He started 116,000 homes, which is no good to Londoners because you can't live in a start. You need completion. City Hall said at the time that the government's target was for starts specifically and that 63,817 affordable homes had been completed. Home building usually takes several years from start to finish to completion, and this varies from scheme to scheme, which is why starts are the government's recognised metric for measuring home building, the mayor's team said. But at an assembly At a meeting of the London House of Assembly Housing Committee on Tuesday, Mayor for London Housing Tom Copley was asked by Conservative member Tony Devonish for his current estimate of when it all will be completed, for when all affordable homes will be completed. The vast majority will be completed by 2029, said Mr Copley. He added... 2,700 beyond that will be completed by 2032, I think. Mr Devonish said 2029 seems quite late, actually, as a general time frame for when most will be complete. Mr Copley replied there was no long stop deadline for completions and what that, was, what that meant was that we're able to support long-term multi-phase estate re- regeneration schemes where you have to give partners certain certainty up front, and that's why. Earlier this year, in the meeting, the deputy mayor had expend, expanded on that point, saying, well, because of London's built environment, there's quite a lot to consider. There's quite a lot of estate regeneration that requires funding. Labour holds Haringey seat. The Labour Party has held a seat in a Haringey council by-election following the death of one of their councillors. New Hermitage and Gardens councillor Anna Lawton won more votes than all of the other four candidates combined, with 59.7%, a 3.6% swing from the 2022 local elections result. She replaces the late councillor Julie Davies, described by council leader councillor Pere Armit as a compassionate person and an unstoppable force. The Liberal Democrats, 15.7%, made the largest gain of 8.7%, taking them within one point of the Greens at 16.3%, who suffered the largest hit of 7.4% down. The Conservatives, 7.3%, and the Christian People's Alliance, 1.2%, both made small gains of 1.1% and 1.2%, respectively. Previous councillor Julie Davies' death after a short illness was announced in April. This was the first Haringey local election since new legislation was introduced, requiring voters to bring ID to the polling station. Despite the Conservatives' Introducing the legislation, Tory MPs have since expressed concern that it may have been Conservative voters who were most affected. Turnout in the by-election was 1,378 people, compared to 1,960 in the 2022 local elections. But it is normal for a by-election to yield a lower turnout, and it is as yet unknown 
if new voter ID laws made a difference. Councillor Armut and Councillor Lawton said Councillor Lawton smashed it, while Tottenham MP David Lammy last night wished good luck to the fantastic Anna Lawton. Councillor Lawton will join Deputy Leader Mike Hakata in representing the Hermitage and Gardens Ward. The full by-election results are as follows. Labour, 59.7%. That's that's down by 3.6%. The Greens, 16.3%. That's down by 7.4%. The Liberal Democrats, 15.7%. That's up by 8.7%. The Conservatives, 7.3%, up by 1.1%. And the Christian People's uh, Alliance... 1.2%, which is up by 1.2%. And again, the total votes in that by-election were 1,378. Firefighters' five-hour battle. So this is uh, an article about residents in a block of flats who had to be evacuated after a fire ripped through their building over the course of almost five hours. It took 20 fire engines and around 125 firefighters to control the blaze in News Home Drive, Southgate, that broke out on Sunday evening. The London Fire Brigade, LFB, was called to the fire in the three-storey building at approximately 9.30pm. A London Fire Brigade spokesman said that a large number of residents had to be evacuated from the building after the fire ripped through three loft flats. Pictures from the scene show clouds of smoke billowing from the building's roof, and there's a picture accompanying this article that shows the uh, the smoke and also shows uh, a turntable ladder with a with a big uh, extending uh, arm on it and uh, water being sprayed down on there from from the uh, from the ladder. The fire took more than four hours to extinguish and was brought under control by firefighters who used a 32 meter t- turntable ladder at around 1:50 a.m. There were no reports of any injuries and the cause of the fire is currently under investigation. Fire crews from Southgate, Edmonton, Enfield, Tottenham, Hornsey, Finchley and the surrounding stations all attended the incident. Now we have a letter from Hannah Ashwell, the Digital Community Fundraising Manager for Cats Protection. Uh, The title is Have a Cuppa in Aid of Cats. This summer... At Cats Protection, we're inviting cat lovers to hold a pawsome tea anytime, anywhere. Whether you choose to hold a casual coffee morning or a baked sale at work, any funds raised will then be put towards our vital cat welfare work. By taking part, you will be truly baking a difference for cats in need. At Cats Protection, we help an average of 157,000 cats and kittens a year through our national network, which includes around 210 volunteer-run branches and 34 centres. Anyone wishing to take part can sign up by visiting, and this is all one word, Cats Protection Pawsome Me Tea. Um, That's a mouthful, to be fair. But it's catsprotectionpawsomemeaty.blackboardsite.com. And now we have another letter from the uh, Associate Director of Strategic Partnerships from Marie Curie. And the headline is 75 Years of Marie Curie's Vital Work. On the 6th of July, 
Marie Curie celebrates its 75th anniversary. Since 1948, Marie Curie has been there for millions of people and their families affected by terminal illness. And today, our support is needed more than ever. We know that everyone will be affected by dying, death and bereavement. And our aim is to make sure that everyone has the best possible end-of-life experience, reflecting what is most important to them. Marie Curie's 75th anniversary is an opportunity to highlight our years of expertise and to show we're ready to achieve even more over the next 75 years. By 2040, we expect the need for palliative care and end-of-life care to have increased by up to 42%. Without urgent change, the gaps in end-of-life provision will only get larger and more people will die without adequate help or support. Last year, Marie Curie provided palliative care and support for over 1,600 people across the region, supporting the terminally ill and their families with care, compassion and dignity in their own homes. We also work closely with the NHS and other partners to deliver palliative care support via partnerships. The services that Marie Curie provides are always free, but it can only continue through the, generous, through the generosity of its supporters. To help us continue providing end-of-life care for the next 75 years, head to mariecurie.org dot uk forward slash donate that is mariecurie dot org dot uk forward slash donate congratulations Marie Curie on reaching 75 years and this week of course our National Health Service celebrates its 75 years as well so well done and thank you to all the angels working in our healthcare system and now some more letters this time from the Enfield Dispatch the first is from Sue Nosovich from Winchmore Hill, and it's called In Bad Taste, and it says, Dear Enfield Dispatch, I write with reference to issue 57 of the Dispatch. It was heartening to read the update on page 7 regarding fundraising efforts made by local people for the family of the young child involved in a tragic traffic accident in Winchmore Hill recently. The article ended with a request from the police for information regarding the accident. But I was somewhat surprised on turning to the page on turning to the page to read an article co-authored by representatives of a campaign group Better Streets for Enfield. The authors appeared to have reached their own speculative conclusions regarding the circumstances of the accident. While I respect the author's right to express their views, I found the piece in poor taste in its promotion of an ideology and agenda, given the circumstances of a terrible accident. It is also inappropriate while the police investigation is not yet concluded. My thoughts are with the family and others directly involved at this distressing time. And another letter, this time from Tony Burton, a Western Enfield Residents Association. And he says, Dear Enfield Dispatch, Western Enfield Residents Association, WERA, or WERA, was conceived and founded by the residents of what was then Highlands Ward in 1945. And from an initial 60 subscribers, 
its membership grew to almost a thousand households to become the largest independent association in Enfield. After half a century, residents began to benefit from the development of the internet and mobiles, but the biggest change was brought by the pandemic, requiring a profound transformation to remain relevant and accessible. Our paper newsletters have disappeared and been replaced by paperless news. But much remains to be done, and while we welcome any new members, we especially need those with computer skills. Please get in touch if you can help by emailing, and if you can, it's Stephen Elston at btinternet.com. That's Stephen Elston at btinternet.com. And now some more uh, letters from the Enfield Dispatch. The first one is uh, from Sue Willard of Grange Park, and it's called Not In My Backyard. And it goes like this. I am really concerned about the latest development in the Cockfosters Towers proposal. If Edfield Council had not completely failed in building the planned homes and businesses at Meridian Water, and they've had enough time and wasted enough taxpayers' money so far, then there would be absolutely no need to devastate other areas of the borough in their rush to find housing. The lack of maintenance of several towers in Edmonton, which now must be closed, has meant that rehousing those residents is necessary. But this, had, but this has been brought on by the council's own negligence and shouldn't mean other parts of the bar- borough need to be radically altered and spoilt to support this. Housing at Meridian Water won consent many years ago, including the services and infrastructure, su- infrastructure to support the scheme. Surely pressure should be put on the council to make good that development before any further building takes place across the borough. And the last letter is from uh, Adrian Gregory of Edmonton, and it's entitled Child Poverty. And uh, Adrian says, I was shocked to learn via new research from the End Child Poverty Coalition that in Edmonton there are 13,596 children living in poverty which equals 40.3% of all children. Across the UK, this figure is 29%. It is concerning to me that UK children are growing up in homes where they go without meals, appropriate clothing or heating. End Child Poverty Coalition are calling for an end to the two-child limit to benefit payments as part of their All Kids Count campaign. If the government were to scrap this policy which prevents larger families from claiming child-related benefits for their third or subsequent child, 250,000 children would immediately be lifted out of poverty. And now is a lovely article from the Palmer's Greenery, your community cafe in Broomfield Park. There's a beautiful illustration of volunteers doing all their work, cleaning and tidying, individuals enjoying the food, hot drinks and snacks, and an even wider picture of Broomfield Park itself with the beautiful trees and the beautiful sunny weather and families enjoying themselves. So here we go. A group of neighbours had a dream to convert a disused, to, to convert disused toilets in Broomfield Park into community cafe serving healthy, affordable and locally sourced treats powered by volunteers and investing profits into park projects. Today, 
the Palmer's Greenery is a thriving and much-loved much hub doing exactly that. Open five days a week and with a team of 50 dedicated volunteers, the project has served thousands of cups of tea, seen friendships develop, kids being born and grow, and has a most wonderful, loyal customer base, both two legs and four legs. Our menu is simple. Hot and cold snacks, hot and cold drinks, and fresh cakes and bakes from our local suppliers. We take our environmental responsibilities seriously, incentivizing re- reusables. But all of our disposables are bio- de- biodegradable. Coffee grounds are composted by the Friends of Broomford Park and we recycle all of our internal waste. We have invested in over £35,000 in projects that have benefited the park and local people and developed relationships with a range of local groups. Perhaps most importantly, we provide work experience for young people and adults with additional needs. And our partnership with Westley School is particularly valued. In June 2024, we celebrate 10 years since we opened our hatches and look forward to the next decade. To follow our journey or find out more about how you can visit us, please come to Brunswick Park, which is by the tennis courts, and find us online at www.fobp.uk forward slash community cafe or follow us on social media at the Palmer's Greenery. Criminals could exploit Enfield residents after trading standards cuts. Cuts to Enfield Council's trading standards team risk endangering public safety and encouraging criminals, a professional body has warned. The Chartered Trading Standards Institute, CTSI, slammed a decision by the council to slash the number of posts in the team from four officers to one, prompting the manager to resign in protest. It says the cuts mean Enfield could soon become the first local authority in the UK without a trading standard service, leaving no one responsible for enforcing a host of laws designed to protect consumers and business standards. The council claims it will maintain the team. Trading standards teams investigate unfair trading and illegal business activity. Last year, Enfield Service seized more than 28,000 packets of smuggled cigarettes, 14.5 kilograms of smuggled tobacco, 1,300 vapes, after investigating upwards of 1,200 complaints and inquiries. The CTSI chair, Tendi Lindsay, said, Local trading standards teams, including in Enfield, play a critical role in helping to tackle product safety issues, maintain food standards and combat illegal and unfair practices, such as rogue traders, scams and doorstep crime. If Enfield Council goes ahead with these cuts, then we are deeply concerned that this will send a signal to unscrupulous traders and criminal elements that the residents of Enfield are fair game for exploitation. One of the key priorities of the Civic Centre's new council plan is to have strong, safe and healthy communities by tackling crime and antisocial behaviour. The CTSI said trading standards would play a key role in supporting this by enforcing more than 290 pieces of legislation, 
tackling problems such as the underage supply and sale of illicit vapes and protecting consumers from poor quality and unsafe products. The professional body warned the cuts could be challenged in the courts by way of a judicial review. Tendi added, We would urge the council to reconsider this measure in the interests of their local residents' safety and well-being. A council spokesperson said, Enfield Council will maintain its trading standards team and will continue to protect residents and local businesses by ensuring a fair and safe trading environment. However, due to the ongoing budget challenge faced by all councils, thanks to austerity, inflation and interest rate rises, we have had to make difficult structural changes to the team. We continue to urge the government to give councils the funding they need to invest in vital frontline services. And now over to the sports desk for the latest sports news. So, Madison, Tottenham move made sense. James Madison says a conversation with Ange Postacoglu overseeing a different Tottenham team convinced him to move to the club. England international Madison completed a £40 million transfer to Spurs from Leicester on a five-year deal. The 26-year-old has gained plenty of admirers since joining Leicester in 2018 and Newcastle were among the clubs interested in his signature this summer. But a promise from New Tottenham manager Postacoglu left the mark. I'm absolutely thrilled, said Madison in his first interview with club media. I feel I have a good understanding of Tottenham and now I'm a part of it, have this lovely white shirt on and it feels brilliant. I am ready to go. Being a Spurs player now is something I'm very excited about. You come here and get a feel for the club, for people. Speaking to the manager is very important. To have a decent chat with him and get his thoughts on how he sees Spurs going this season. He said, whether you come or not, you'll see a completely different Spurs team under me. And it kind of st- stuck with me that what he said. It made me think that there is self-belief I have in myself. I spoke to Daniel Levy as well, and they both spoke very highly of everything about the club, about me, and things like that are so important. Building a good relationship with him, with Daniel, speaking to other players. Obviously, I know a lot of the lads anyway, and have played against them for many years. Myself, my agent, my family, we're all really happy with the decision, and I can't wait to get going. Spurs have been long-term admirers of Madison, with former boss David Pleat recommending him to Chairman Levy when the playmaker was still a teenager at Coventry. Madison instead joined Norwich, but interest and desire to eventually sign him never waned, with his time at Leicester serving to highlight him as one of the most creative players in England. In five largely successful years with the Foxes, who won the 2021 FA Cup, Madison made 203 appearances, scored 55 goals and produced 41 assists. Madison's creativity and versatility will boost a Spurs squad that has lacked a player in this mould since Christian Eriksen left in 2020. Christian was one of my favourite players when I was growing up, especially in the lower leagues, he added. When he was in hot form for Tottenham, wearing the iconic number 23, Eriksen was someone who would produce quality moments for this football club. To swap shirts with a player like that, of his ilk, was very special. Harry Winks has joined Leicester in a £10 million deal, having spent the 2022-23 season on loan at Sampdoria. The 27-year-old had been a regular at Tottenham under Mauricio Pochettino, but fell out of favour 
during the ten years of Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, Santo, and Antonio Conte. New boss Postacoglu is set to cast his eye over the rest of the squad before any further decisions are made on outgoings, with focus on bringing in reinforcements in central defence. Tottenham are reportedly interested in Bayer Leverkusen's Edmund Tapsoba and Wolfsburg centre-back Mickey van der Veen. They are also set to sign Israeli international and former Fulham loanee Mana Solomon, 23, on a five-year deal with his contract at Ukraine's Shakhtar Donetsk being suspended. Enfield ready to start pre-season at Romford. Enfield start their pre-season schedule with a friendly at Romford on Wednesday. That was Wednesday, the 5th of July, 2023. The trip to Barking's Lortec Stadium is the first outing for last season's Essex Senior League champions as they prepare for the 2023-2024 Isthmian League North campaign. They won both meetings with Borough on their way to the title last season, 2-0 away on March the 1st and 1-0 at home April the 1st. But face a side who beat Harlow Town 6-1 at the weekend. Jamie Curtin's men head to Harpenden on July the 5th, then host Hashtag United on July the 18th at 7.45pm and Cambridge City on July the 22nd at 3pm before visiting Woodford Town on July the 25th and Hartford Town on July the 29th. And they will learn their opponents in the FA Cup and the FA Trophy when the draw for the early rounds are made on Friday. Enfield Town are due to appear in the same two competitions alongside the Ithmian League Premier Division. They do not start their pre-season campaign until July the 15th when they host QPR B and Tottenham's under-21s visit on July the 18th at 7.30pm. Town welcome Bracknell Town on July the 22nd, before trips to Welland Garland City on July the 25th, and Waltham Abbey July the 29th, and are due to complete their preparations against Greys on August the 5th. New manager Gavin McPherson made central defender Carl Bailey his latest signing last week, having spent the last season at Step 2 side Hungerford Town. Bailey began his career at Shearwater and Westfield and has played professionally in Malta, Norway and Scotland. Kyle has been learning his trade outside of England for the most part, but came back during last season to play at Step 2, McPherson told the club website. He's another versatile defender to add to the mix. He gives everything in his performance and will be a very welcome addition to an already established back line. Enfield Borough began their pre-season with a 2-1 home defeat against FC Baresi last week and fell to a 4-0 defeat at Wingate and Finchley on Saturday. They will find out their opponents in the FAVs on Friday 
with their new Thurlow Nunn League Division 1 Southampton campaign due to start on July the 29th. Harringay Borough entertained Harrow in their first pre-season friendly outing on Saturday. Chelmsford, July the 15th, Royston, July the 25th, St Albans, July the 29th, Walthamstow, August the 5th, are also set to visit Coles Park. And here's a very season-appropriate article to end our um, taping this evening. Um, it's from the National Beekeeping Association in one of our local magazines, and it's entitled, Look After Our Pollinator Friends. I had a wonderful surprise when I got home a week ago. As I walked up my garden path, I noticed quite a large swarm of bees low down on a tree in my front garden. I love bees and had already booked to start a beekeeping course, so I wasn't phased by the sight of about five to 6,000 bees. It was a fantastic sight for me. This got me thinking. If you found a swarm, would you know what to do? No? Then read on. When bees swarm, the queen and half an existing hive try to find a new home. Most of the bees will cluster around the queen while scouts go looking for a suitable home. This could be in a shed or the roof of a house. It's better for them and us if they're collected by a beekeeper and put in a man-made hive. The word swarm can sound threatening and scary, but in fact there is no need to be scared if you find one. Honeybees are normally very placid, particularly a swarm, as they've no home to defend at that point in time. Just follow some simple advice and the bees will be fine and so will you. Honeybees are the only bees that swarm. However, there are other types of bees that can look similar to honeybees, so it's important to try to identify that they are bees and not wasps. Once you've identified the bees, you should contact a local beekeeper. Beekeepers are experienced in handling them and will be able to remove the swarm safely. Details of where to find a local beekeeper can be found below. Do not attempt to remove the swarm yourself. Honeybees are not aggressive, but they can be defensive if they feel threatened. If you try to remove the swarm yourself, you could get stung. Once the beekeeper arrives, they will be able to safely remove the swarm and rehome it in a new beehive. This process doesn't take long for someone that knows what they're doing. So, here's a summary and some tips for the best for keeping the bees safe while you wait for a beekeeper to arrive. Do contact a local beekeeper or beekeeping association. Do not contact a pest controller. If the swarm is in a public place, try to keep people away or at least warn them. Don't panic. Stay calm and quiet. Don't disturb the swarm. Don't attack it, prod it or touch it with anything. Don't spray it with water, pesticides or anything else. Keep pets away from it, but if you have inquisitive children, they can be allowed to look at the bees under supervision, if they want, but not to touch. Um, and the article is supplied by Trevor Arnold, and although it tells us that, you know, there's, a, there's somewhere that you can uh, 
go to find a beekeeper to come and rescue the swarm. It doesn't actually tell us in this article, but I'm sure if you look online, if you look up National Beekeeping Association, or just look up beekeepers in the area, you'll find somebody equipped to do this. Well, rather sadly, we have reached the end of our programme for this week. So, thank you for listening. From the team of the lovely Catherine, the amazing Angela, and heroic Hass, and with myself, Dem, it's... Bye! Bye! (laughs) Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position, and return it to us as soon as possible, in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or by listening to us on your smart speaker by saying, play podcast, Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget, you can call Dan to Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899 854 582. That's Diane de Jersey on 07899 854 582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.